Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, what's our question of the day? Well, we have a question today from Adam. Let's just listen and be ready. It's a great question with a bit of a challenge. Hello, my name is Adam. And my question is, how can I incorporate the latest innovations in education with my special ed classroom? Thank you. I look forward to hearing your answer. All right. So Adam wants to innovate. I'm going to start with just a really simple one is read and look at the work on flipped classroom. I think it's really hard to innovate when you're the sage on the stage. But if you think more about students doing work instead of uh, you doing all the work, it's much easier to add those innovations. And so that's my first thought. What do you think, Becky? All right. Well, since you kind of led with looking something up, I'll say the first thing I would investigate is strategies for working with learners who are gifted. Now, this might not be the first thing that people think about, but from my experience and research and personal experience and everything else, it's interesting because we take approaches um, to challenge students who are gifted that that are really very student-based and often very interest-based. And you could take those same strategies and scale them to whatever level you need for the age that you teach. So start first in looking at strategies for working with gifted learners. Yeah, and then I'm gonna just kind of do something that, you know, I love the concept we both always mentioned project-based learning, but I also like design thinking. And I really feel like, you know, if you do some looking up on design thinking, and so, when we add new technology, again, we got to remember my role is, you know, again, that Goldilocks principle, just the right amount. Usually I say no more than two things at a time because it can be overwhelming. But as kids do, as you add that innovation, have them think about what they want to design. What do they want to be? What do they want to add value to what they're doing? Right. Now I'm going to pull from our very current experiences, Lisa, and give a very specific, specific response. Consider focusing on new things like coding and robotics. Um, Lisa and I are currently working on a research project that involves students with disabilities using the Dash robot. And uh, if you haven't seen Dash, it's a commercial product Um, that's available, and students learn basic principles of coding. So you could weave in science, you can weave in reading, uh, because there's certainly things to be read, and you'd be providing students with some contemporary skills. And from our early uh, explorations, we can tell you that students have been very highly motivated to learn the programming, and programming is the future. So I think pull in something brand new like robotics, coding, et cetera, to reinvigorate your classroom. It's funny too, because uh, I think the re- reinvigoration goes along with when two other quick thoughts I have, because we I both, of course, love this question because we're all about innovative and change. 
But do you think about your classroom, and this is usually a Becky's go-to, so I'm stealing it from you today, Becky, is <laughs> flexible spacing. You know, is your spacing reflect innovation? So again, if you're sitting in rows, which might be now because of COVID, and that's the state law, we get that, but we're assuming life beyond that. But even if you're in rows, is there flexibility that kids can walk over to a sanitized space and see a dash or walk over and try, you know, Lego robotics? And I do think that often with flexible space, and creativity, which we know is the highest level of thinking today, there's this really simple old school go-to, and that is don't show kids, ask open-ended questions. I can't get this to work. How do you think it would work? Why do you think you can? Have you asked a friend? You know, can you phone a friend? I think too many times we introduce innovation by us doing instead of kids doing. And, and that's the beauty we've already seen from the work we're doing, Becky. Some of these kids can code faster than, you know, probably those of us with PhDs um, and without any instruction. So I do think we often think innovation means lots of structure. We have structure of when and where and how. You might want kids to use it, but when they're using it, turn it loose to them. And I just don't think we do that enough in classrooms, in my opinion. And I know, and you know, that we're we're still mindful of the fact that kids are assessed and all of these things. Um, but if we don't start them off being interested and engaged learners, we're not going to be able to then coach them into performing well when they need to on something different. Uh, continuing to do what we've been doing, which is trying to teach the test is not working. It hasn't worked. We're losing the interest of learners. So let's turn it around and be interest-based and then just scaffold as needed to make sure kids can perform in different settings. And so even if we think about learning something new, letting our kids do and learn something new and doing things with them instead of for them, I think that's really the key. Well, my last point here is the big F word, failure. Um, and I think most people forget that when you innovate, you fail. And, you know, Becky, I've had the privilege of having a couple of patents, but one of them, I, I can't even tell you how many times we failed before we had any success. And it took almost a decade. And so, yeah, I don't want your kids in your classroom to take a decade to try a new tool, but don't be afraid. You know, we don't want Dash being thrown across the room or the Lego robotics being thrown across the room. But sometimes when kids are struggling, it's when the best learning happens. And I think too many times, if you have a pair in the room and you haven't trained them, say, look, this is the failure station. This is where kids make, knock down, break, redesign, uh, don't do what we ask them the first time because that's learning instead of learning is you must do it the right way the first time. And so that's really what I remind you is innovation is about failure. And by learning something with your students, whether it's learning to code, whether it's learning something with Legos, whether it's learning to play musical instruments, don't go into this thinking that you have to know how to do it already. Model learning for your students by learning something different yourself with them. And that ties into what Lisa is saying about modeling failure along the way, because you're also not going to be successful at every step. And kids need to see how to develop that determination to persist, even when it's not going the way that you want it to. So are you saying my uh, 10 years of piano lessons and I still can't pay Mary had a little lamb was failure and more failure? <laughs> I'm just getting lucky. I am. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
<laughs> and I do still today feel bad that my mother paid all that money to my father. But at the same time, uh, it did teach me a lot of other skills like per- perseverance, persistence. And so again, maybe not every kid becomes a, a Lego robotics coder, but at least having that experience gives them dialogue and conversation. And that's too many times we see our kids, especially our kids with disabilities being given the non-innovative things, and then they can't hang out with people who do innovative things. So, well, we hope those were some few practical tips for you, Adam. And if you have questions, you can call us at 407-900-9305 and leave us your problem of practice, or you are welcome to check us out on our Facebook or at Access Practical.